Let us be attentive. O Lord, save your people and bless your inheritance. To you, O Lord, have I cried, O my God. Wisdom. The reading is from St. Paul's second letter to Timothy. Let us be attentive. Timothy, my son, always be steady, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. For I am ready on the point of being sacrificed. The time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. from the Holy Gospel according to St. Mark. Let us be the beginning of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who shall prepare your way, the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And there went out to him all the country of Judea and all the people of Jerusalem. And they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and had a leather girdle around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached, saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I, the thong of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Peace be with you, proclaim the In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 
There is a beautiful hymn which uh, was sung at the royal hours on the eve of Christmas, which celebrates the nativity of Christ, but at the same time looks forward to his holy baptism. His nativity was in secret, as we know, while his baptism was in public and marked the beginning of his three-year earthly ministry of wonder-working and heavenly teaching. The hymn goes like this, Today is born of a virgin, he who holds creation in the palm of his hands. As a mortal, he is wrapped in swaddling rags, he who in his being cannot be handled. God lies in a manger, who of old established the heavens in the beginning. He is nourished with milk from the breast, he who rained manna on the people in the desert. He summons Magi, the bridegroom of the church. He accepts their gifts, the son of the virgin. We venerate your birth, O Christ. Show us also your divine epiphany. So we are transported from one feast to another, one celebration to the next. As we now anticipate Holy Theophany, the manifestation, the public manifestation of the Son of God to the world. Therefore, today, on this particular Sunday, the Sunday just before Theophany, we are called to prepare ourselves and get ready for the baptism of our Lord in the Jordan. In the Gospel reading we just heard, the prophet Malachi was quoted by the evangelist Mark when he said, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who shall prepare your way. In this prophecy, Malachi, whom we actually commemorated in our church calendar just yesterday, is speaking about John the Baptist, the forerunner of Christ, who prepared the way of the Lord by preaching repentance to the people of Israel and teaching them about the coming and the expected Messiah. And again, later in the same Old Testament book, Malachi once more speaks about John the Baptist in the following way. He says, Behold, I will send you Elijah before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. This prophecy has a twofold meaning. Firstly, it refers to Christ's first coming, the one we celebrate now at Christmas and Theophany. And Elijah here is to be taken to mean that John the Baptist came in the same spirit as that great and powerful prophet Elijah, preaching repentance before the glorious day of Christ's baptism in the Jordan. This is confirmed by Jesus himself, for he tells us in the Gospel of Matthew, all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. And if you are willing to accept it, he is Elijah, who is to come. The second way Malachi's prophecy is to be understood is quite literally that the prophet Elijah himself will return to this earth to preach repentance in the days of the Antichrist just before the glorious return of the Lord Jesus 
to judge the living and the dead. If we remember, Elijah was taken as if up into heaven by the fiery chariot, and he did not see death. And one other human being has also never died. That is Enoch, the seventh from Adam, who was snatched up by God, as we read in Genesis, only to return again with Elijah at the end of days. This is confirmed for us in the 11th chapter of the book of Revelation, where it speaks about those two witnesses who will preach repentance for three and a half years in Jerusalem. They will be slain by the Antichrist, only to rise up from the dead after three and a half days and be taken up into heaven. So these two, these incredible prophets, Elijah and Enoch, who have not died yet, will come just before the second and awesome coming. They will die martyrs' deaths and be resurrected. All this is prophesied in the book of Malachi, and there is more to be learned. In three brief chapters, just three and a half short pages in most Bibles, Malachi is initiated into many, many mysteries of God and reveals them to his contemporaries, but certainly to us. Walking through this book from beginning to end, let's see what other themes this holy prophet touches upon. The first word that God himself speaks are these in the second verse of the first chapter. He says, I have loved you. A son honors his father and a servant his master. If then I am the father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is the reverence due to me? These words, my brothers and sisters in Christ, should pierce our hearts. They should lead us to a bit of compunction and tears when we hear the Lord speaking this way. For we know that we have not honored our Heavenly Father as we should, and we have not offered our Lord and Master the reverence, devotion, and obedience He is rightly due. For He has loved us beyond measure and in so many ways. He says, I have loved you, should we not love him in return? When I read this, it reminded me, when I was back in seminary, of a beautiful little text I saw posted on one of the seminarian's doors. It was called The Complaint of Christ. And here's what Christ has to say to his children. You call me Lord, but you do not obey me. You call me light, but you do not look at me. You call me the way, but you do not follow me. You call me life, but you do not desire me. You call me wisdom, but you do not heed my advice. You call me truth, but you do not believe in me. You call me almighty, but you do not trust me. You call me righteous, but you do not fear me. You call me father, but you do not become my children. You call me Savior, but you do not want 
your salvation. Just think about those words coming from our Lord and see what we can do about them. Next in the prophet's book, just moving a little bit ahead in Malachi, he speaks about the church. He prophecies about it, which will be comprised of all peoples throughout the earth, and that God will be worshipped in all places and not just in the temple of Jerusalem any longer. For from the rising of the sun even to its going down, my name has been glorified among the nations, and in every place incense shall be offered to my name, and a pure offering, for my name shall be great among the Gentiles, says the Lord Almighty. Therefore today, from east to west, throughout the world, we know that incense indeed is offered unto God in our daily worship, and the pure offering of the body and blood of Christ is made in our holy churches. Now further on in the book, God again complains to his people that are not honoring their marriages. Marriage is sacred and holy, ordained by God from the very beginning, even in paradise itself between man and woman, Adam and Eve. It is a sacred institution, for it is to be an icon of the marriage between the bridegroom Christ and bride, the church, as St. Paul teaches us. If God was angered over the dishonor displayed towards marriage 500 years before the coming of Christ and before the new covenant, imagine what he is feeling today If at that time he said through Malachi, and you do these things which I hate, can we even imagine what God is feeling today when marriage is attacked and treated with such contempt? Further on in the book, God even addresses financial matters and giving. He tells his people that they have not given him tithes, the 10% commanded by the law, and in this they have insulted him. The people characteristically respond, In what way have we possibly insulted you, O Lord? But God answers them, and he says, You have kept back your tithes and your offerings. You most certainly turned your back on me, and you insulted me. You brought all the produce into your own storehouses. You have tucked them away, but it will be plundered. Here God gives them a chance to repent. He's calling them back and to return to him their tithes before they lose everything. Essentially, he gives them a challenge if we look at what follows. What does he say? Return now in this, and see if I will not open for you the the floodgates of heaven, and pour out for you a blessing until it is overflowing. So I ask you, rather maybe challenge you, take the Lord's challenge, and you will see how he blesses each and every one of us. I have never known anybody to say, I have given too much to God, and that's why I'm broke. The absolute opposite is true, I assure you. 
and I know this from my own experience, as many of us here do. Give to God, be our cheerful giver, and charitable, and you will see indeed how the Lord constantly replenishes your supplies and showers you with his earthly, and even more importantly, his heavenly blessings. Finally, the good news of the gospel is also preached by Malachi quite clearly and profoundly. To those who believe in Christ and keep his commandments, God says, But to you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings, and you shall go forth, leaping as little calves released from their bonds. The Son of Righteousness, as we know, is Jesus Christ, who is risen from the dead to bring healing and salvation to all of them who believe in his name. He has released us from our bonds, the bonds and the shackles of sin and vices, and he has released us from the ultimate power of death itself. So my brothers and sisters in Christ, as we inaugurate, as we bring in a new year, 2015, let us remember the words of God and never forget them, where he says, I have loved you. Let us contemplate the, the myriads of ways he indeed has loved us, especially in the sending of his Son, Jesus Christ, into the world for our salvation, and to him be the power and the glory forever. Amen.